So, Mike, welcome to the Mal and Johnny Show. Welcome back to the Mal and Johnny Show. And, and what a year Thank it's been. Thank you for having me. Well, what a year it's been for you and for your family as well. Now, tell us about Tommy, because we all went through that with you and your family, Tommy, getting yeah. COVID and getting it really badly. Well, thank you very much, uh, first of all, for th- for asking about him and, and for thinking of him all this time as well. Yeah, he did have an awful time. And to think that this time last year, I think he'd just come off the ventilator and I got photographs, which I won't show you. They're just too distressing and I find very uh, upsetting to look at. You know, he's got the pipe up his nose oh, and boy. he's got all this uh, a line going into his neck and, oh, and his God. voice was totally gone and... And we were, what the nurses were doing then, were, we were doing FaceTime, but he couldn't speak, but he could see us, you know, mm. his mum, Jane and I, he could see us. And of course, once he saw us, he just, oh, and he couldn't cry. So it's just these, these face full of pain, mm. but at the same time, um, full of hope. And, um, but then he came, he came out of hospital, guys. Um, we picked him up, Jane and I got him to the house and it took 20 minutes to get him from the car to the front door. Okay. And we're talking about, say, uh, without exaggeration, about 12 feet. That, t- that took 20 minutes, you know, uh, with a Zimmer frame and me holding him. And uh, he just didn't have the strength to stand. Mm. So we had to bring a chair out and he'd, then he'd sit on the chair for a little while, then have another little six inches and another chair. For a while. But anyway, that was last year, boys. Yeah. And I'm, I'm proud to say, and I'm... So grateful, and um, but Tom has made a remarkable recovery. Uh, he's not fully there. It's no good saying that he is because he's not. But um, if I can put a percentage on it, he's ninety percent there. Fantastic. Tell me, which Mike, is massive. Did he did he have underlying problems because he's such a young guy, or was it just one of those things? Well, he 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 had um, he has asthma. Mm. Um, and I think that would be a possible underlying, but I mean, you know, but you know, the funny thing is, Johnny, mm. since he was on that ventilator, when he came off it, right? Yeah. The doctors thought, well, oh, crikey, his lungs are better. So for him, the ventilator, although it's it's taken it out of him and it does take a good year to get over one of those things, yeah. but it's got rid of his asthma. Oh, wow. wow. And, I, and, I, and I have to say, and every man and his dog was praying for that boy in the <laughs> yeah. four corners of the world. So, you know, it's up to whoever's listening to this, watching this, with the power of prayer, but I truly believe in it. And uh, there was people in South Africa, uh, people in America, yeah. and, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and here he is, recovered, and no asthma. That's fantastic. <laughs> you know what they say, too, no that singers can, can probably... Uh, fight it better because they got good, good lung capacity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if, for instance, you, yourself, me, or anybody sings, you know, because we breathe properly, it probably is a, is a help. I, I suppose. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just surmising. Yeah. It could be Johnny, but um, yeah. but but the answer to the question, boys, he's made he's okay. a very good a very good recovery. Um, we were told to prepare for the worst. That was the worst phone call I've ever had in my oh life. Oh my god. Um, but he's made it and he's happy. Yeah. Uh, he's looking forward to getting back to work himself, whether that might be back at sea on the cruise ships, or will it be um, he's sent his stuff off to the Disney company. Um, and like, you know, the, the lovely Craig Gallivan from Swansea, God bless you, mate. He sent us who to write to mm-hmm. uh, and everything. So great. 
Tom's back out there, you know. Well, it's funny, it is funny you mentioned that because he followed you onto the cruise ships. Now, that, that was one of the reasons for asking you to join us today. Last week, Johnny was telling us about nearly being shot in Galveston and, and being on all these, these you know, ships going up and down and uh, you know, going into Monte Carlo. When did you first go on, on, the, on the cruise ships, Mike? When, when did you go? I can tell you exactly, Mel. It was the 27th of August, 1982. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was living in Carmarthen with my parents. Yeah. Um, I had never been to London in my life at this point. Um, I'd never been to London. And uh, I think I'd only been to Cardiff once or twice, you know. And um, I I got myself, I said to my father, I said, Dad, there's a big story to how I got the interview, but that will take an hour to tell. <laughs> my father is, is brilliant at, at acting top, if you know what I mean. <laughs> He actually said, oh, the phone went a couple of days ago, somebody from the ferries. You're going to do the shows on the ferry boat. So anyway, of course, it was P&O Cruises, and they were in East London at the time in Allgate. Right. And um, so I said to him, Dad, I said, how do I get to Allgate? And, I, and he, this was his reply. Well, Michael... All I can say is, if I was you, I'd get as far as Chiswick and ask. <laughs> so, so I got as far as Chiswick. Turned right to the flyover. And I, I asked. And um, it was lucky for me, uh, a cabbie, funny enough, an yeah. old boy there, um, he, he helped me. Yeah. And um, I managed to find where I was going. Anyway, I, I got the... Um, I got the job. I passed the medical. There's a, there's a great routine with the medical, which I'm sure, Johnny, you've done a million times. Go on. What do you have to do? What do you have to do with the medical? Then? Go on. No, I can't. It's a bit naughty. Well, it's not really. No. I, 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 I went to see the maritime doctor. He was a strange doctor. He asked me to hold him and cough. There you are. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyway, having done that, I got the job quicker than I would have thought. Yeah. And um, it was time then to, to, to find out what ship Indeed, I would be joining at the age of 21 years old, 20 years old, 20 years old. So it comes through that I'm not going to join the Canberra. I'm not going to join the Sea Princess. Right. I'm going to join the Oriana, the original Oriana, the first Oriana. Built, I did uh, that once. Of course you did. A big old ship that was, wasn't it? Well, she's not now. Um, she was 42,000 tons. Right. Yeah. Um, but she was a liner, a true liner. And yeah. she, at the time in 82, she was based in uh, Sydney. Oh. And that's where she spent the rest of her life. But ah. I, I, I flew out and my father said to me, right, he said, you'll have to wear a collar and tie now because and don't go asking for beer now when you're up in the air. Have a gin and tonic. He said, you can't behave like that now when you're flying, you see. <laughs> so I get to Terminal 3, which was quite kind of new then, I guess. And there I am in a blazer, a white shirt a, that was too tight. And the, this done up and a tie and then one of those pins that go through the collars and that was screwed up. So I was and then I looked around me and everybody was dressed in shell suits. Remember shell suits? Yeah, that's right. Uh, so I, I get on the plane, economy, and I've got 27 hours ahead of me. So I did have a few drinks on the way. Of course I did. And I'm sat there and the buzz, because the, the plane was, was more or less chartered by P&O because it was a, t um, a changeover of, of crew. 
members. So um, <clears throat> I, I'm sat on the plane, and the word is going around going, oh, that must be one of the new new officers, bridge officers. He must <laughs> be the <laughs> Everybody they else upgraded. they should have upgraded you then <laughs> well I oh I wish they had got have upgraded me I I've never flown before this is my first time in uh, the 27th of August 1982 82. never forget it anyway it was one heck of a flight as you can imagine and I thought I thought Sydney Australia would never come mm-hmm. uh, well it, it it did eventually come and um a car picked well a minibus picked me up and dropped me off outside a hotel in the King's Cross area of Sydney. Oh, my God. Which, of course, is the red light area, <laughs> which I don't know this, do I? I I'm from Kamali. You know, I've just turned up. And, um, I think everybody's the, just being friendly. Whole... Everybody's just very friendly. Yeah. Very friendly. Very friendly. <laughs> and um, I, I arrived there, and all the crew were saying, oh, they, they put you up in that hotel, have they? I said, what do you mean? They said, oh, it's got a nickname amongst piano. They call that the Royal Mosquito and Bedbug Hotel. <laughs> 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 so I get I get to the the Royal Mosquito and Bedbug Hotel and and what I'm about to tell you sounds so far fetched you know but but having listened to Johnny's um, um, shooting uh, 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 episode <laughs> <laughs> this might not be as far fetched but I <clears throat> I'm in the hotel guys and um, I realise where I am it's just dawned on me that I am the other side of the world. And the reason why it's dawned on me, on the wall was a map of the world, one of those oldie-worldie maps of the world. Mm. And I put my finger on Wales, and I, I had to stretch really far. It was a massive, massive, massive paint, uh, picture. And then I put my finger on Sydney. Mm. I thought, I'm the other side of the world. I put the television on, and it's an old-fashioned telly where the picture didn't come straight away, the sound did, but you had to wait for the picture. You know, you know, and yeah, those yeah. old ones. I'm sure you'll remember them, Johnny. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> I still got one. <laughs> I, I did my first ship in 1967. <laughs> yes, go on, go on, carry on. <laughs> when they didn't have telly, so so that the, the, the sound starts on the telly, <clears throat> and I kid you not, I am homesick. I realize on the other side of the world. And before the picture, I hear, far away, a voice is calling, bells of memories chime. Then all of a sudden, it's Harry Seacombe, and it's a film that he had made in in Australia, and he's singing about home. Well, I... I just collapsed. I gave way. I went face down into the pillow and I cried and I cried and I cried. And I was saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, ma'am. I'm sorry. I'm sorry about everything. And I thought, like, I've been sent somewhere that uh, there's, no, there's no coming back. So then, being the, the West Australian and the, so whatever I am, I thought, well, I'm going for a pint. So I went down into King's Cross. Nice. <laughs> and... Um, I go into a bar, and um, I say, um, "Oh, hello, h- hello there." <laughs> g'day, g'day. How you going? I said, "I'm sorry." How you going? Very well, thank you. Th- very well. Uh, a pint of your best, uh, landlord. Oh, bloody hell! Not another bloody pom. <laughs> and I went, "Well, what's what's a pom?" I didn't know what a pom was. I didn't know what anything meant. And he goes, "This is a schooner, mate, and this is a midi." He says, "No points here." 
So I, I said, well, I love the, the, the schooner then. I said, that still only looks like half a pint to me. Anyway, I'm drinking this beer called Tui's Draft. And um, I'm not used to it, of course. So I must have drunk about six pints. I went back to that hotel having a lady on the way ask me if I'd like to spend the evening. And I even did the joke. Can't I take you to the pictures first, right? <laughs> so anyway, I, I wasn't very well, and I made a terrible mess in the bathroom. The next day came, and it was time to go to my ship. Um, I'm not hungover. No. I'm just so much excitement. I arrive at the bow of the old Oriana, which stood to me like I've never seen a structure. I've never seen a moving thing so enormous. I get on board, I go straight into uniform, I'm shown to my cabin, which I was lucky to have my own cabin. There's no toilet, just a sink, and that was used for everything, if you know what I mean. <laughs> so um, I then get taken to find my boss. His name was 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 uh, John Ross, and he wasn't very kind to me at all. He was a Kiwi. Now, Johnny, you just might know him. He was in a band called the Harbour Lights, that name's familiar. Yes, I know. Harbour Lights. And they, yeah. well, they they did have a hit record. But anyway, he's coming to what the end of the... Oh, is he the cruise and director, was he? He was the cruise director. Right. So he said to me, so he said to me, fine, fine, fine. And all that welcome on board and all that stuff. And I went, yes, sir. I was calling him sir and everything. And he said, um, have you been to sea before? I said, oh, no. I said, this is my first time. And he went, oh, head office again. They sent me a tsar. We don't know if he'll be seasick. We don't have to babysit him now and they have to train him up. And he was not very nice at all to me. No. But I became very popular on board. I was the youngest in the team. And my nickname was Mike, I'll do anything Doyle. <laughs> and uh, I was in all the shows, which... Which the cruise director got. A, I'm, I, I don't like to say that he was jealous, but he he showed those traits. And, um, <clears throat> and because I was young, I had the, the, the kind of long, um, curly kind of permed hair that I had in those days. And uh, <clears throat> I I sang everything from "Get Me to the Church on Time" to um, "Where Is Love" by Oliver, sitting on a crate which the ship moved. So did the crate. The crate collapsed. I went flying across the floor. Um, we did um, <clears throat> we did uh, South Pacific. We did all the musicals. And it really, really was something very, very special. Now, I can go on to another story please do. and interject. Please. No, go on, go on. If I, it's OK. No, please do. I, I want to keep talking. Let me just say something before you go on about these cruise directors being jealous. It's because they wish they were doing what you were doing, see? I had the same yeah. problem. I went on a ship. I forget what it was yeah. called now. It was in Fiji. And the guy introduced me because he knew me from before. We, had, we used to record for the same company. He said, this is Johnny. He was my rival. I thought I'm in trouble. Yeah, boy. <laughs> I know. And he gave me the worst night on the ship, first night out, because he That's didn't want to, you know, uh, he had the best one, you know what I mean? Oh, they're so jealous yeah, yeah. of you. And I suppose because they, they, in that world, it becomes a very small world. So being being important in that world is, is important to the person in charge. Well, aye, that's right. Sorry, Mike, I stopped your story. Next story, no, Michael. Next story. Come on, next story. No, not at all, Johnny, and I fully understand where you're coming from. But, um, well, look, you know... Um, <clears throat> But let's stay with the old Oriana then. The year is 1982, and we go to a place near Papua New Guinea called Rabaul. So 
I get off the ship in Rapport and uh, I jump on one of these little minibuses with no windows. It's so hot there. And uh, they take us up the mountains and we stop on the way and we, we look at some, some caves that were the Japanese used them to hide ammunition and tanks and things like that in World War II. So I found right. that very, very, very interesting. Mm. <clears throat> and then we get to the top of, the, of this mountain overlooking the, the sea. And we've driven up through the uh, jungle, basically. And uh, we, we just before we got to what was a restaurant at the top, really, and it was all put on for the holiday makers, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So uh, the, the cruisers, you know, and um, passengers, for goodness sake. So we stop in the jungle and the driver says, just listen. And it was just incredible. You just heard all this... Just the noise that you wouldn't hear in Brechfa. That's right. <laughs> right well, well, mind you. Well, Friday night, maybe. <laughs> so so um, we get to this restaurant and uh, people are doing a talk on this and a talk on that and the wildlife and the survival of this. But they had Fiji bitter. So I was quite Because he was going already. And I'm sure, Johnny, you've sunk a few Fiji bitters in your time, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I have a Fiji bitter, then I have another Fiji bitter, and I have this um, kind of local food that they put on, which was sensational. But I'd had far too much of this Fiji bitter, and the temperature in Fahrenheit is in the 90s, right? It's It's... And it's, I can't going to tell you, the humidity of it all was just enough to kill you, right? So <clears throat> I'm chatting away and laughing away, and um, and then I kind of go for a, a, a nano nap in this, like they had hammocks, and I thought, I'm going to try one of them. No. So, excuse me. So um, this woman comes up to me and says, you've missed your bus? I said, what? You've missed your bus? How are you getting down to the, the ship? All your passenger friends have gone. So, because I'm half cut and not thinking straight, because I've got the Fiji bitter in me, I just say, oh, I'll be fine, I'll be fine. I start to walk down the path. I get so far, all the noises of the jungle. And I can hear... Anyway, I'm so dehydrated, I pass out and I fall into the camber of this road that's leading me down the, 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 the through the jungle. Next thing you know, I don't know how long I was out. It wasn't, probably wasn't very long. I get something poking me in my chest. Not, not enough that it's hurting, but poking me. The sun is coming down through the leaves of the of the trees, and I see a man with tight, tight knot hair like this, paint all over his face, white, only white. He was white on his black skin. He had like bones and stuff on him. And I and Mal, I looked at him and I said, Please don't, don't eat me. Eat me. <laughs> Don't eat me! I was up there with a few from the ship. My name's Mike Doyle from where? Oh, please don't eat me! I was in. Oh, please, oh God help me! Please, God help me! This guy then got this guy 
my head starts to laugh. He <laughs> talks in a kind of a, a little bit of an Australian accent and says, oh, mate, we stopped eating people years ago. <laughs> so he says, jump. He says, jump in, mate. He says, don't worry about the, the attire. He said, I've been one of the dancers down there on the quay entertaining your passengers. <laughs> doing like a local doing like a local dance, you know? Yeah. Like a like a local thing. So we're in the in this in this truck, like a Ute, going all the way down the jungle. And he's laughing and laughing. He's going, mate, he says, say it again, say it again. I went, what, what? Don't eat, don't say it. it. The, way, the way you said it, I'm going, please don't eat me. Oh, mate, this is so funny. He said, he said, why didn't you stay where you were? My sister has rang down to the port gate, the port authority, and I've come up to get you. you know, That's you a story. That's like a that. story for you. That's a you story know, for you. I was in Kenya and we, we asked this Maasai warrior who was walking on the street and he had a spear and he had his wife with him and a cow and God knows what. And we said, Do you know, which is the way to this, whatever it was, the Huru Highway, that was it. Yeah. And he spoke in perfect English. And I said, you are good English. He said, I went to the London School of Economics. <laughs> 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 He'd gone back yes. and he joined his tribe, put his gear back on. That was it. <laughs> oh, right. Give us, another, give us another story, Mike. Where, where are we going next? Where in the, where well, in the world of cruising are we going next? Well, I, I can, uh, you know, it's funny because <clears throat> when you're, uh, you're in your 20s and I've gone out there to Australia and... Um, the, this particular cruise director who didn't like me very much, he, he left. By the way, we've met since and right. we've become best of friends. Wow. <laughs> isn't that strange? Yeah, isn't yeah. That strange? Yeah, we've met, we, I met him by chance. And um, yeah, so I, I have nothing but uh, respect for him, of, co- uh, of course. Of, of course, course, of I course, do. of course. And I a lot to thank him for because I was only a young kid. I didn't know anything. And, yeah. you know, maybe I was a bit cocky at times. Um, but. Um, but one day he said to me, um, I want you to introduce tonight's star. I said, right, it's, it's a man called Wayne Cornell. And Wayne Cornell is um, an Australian um, singing star, had many hit records there. And he, Wayne Cornell, was, was really Australia's Frank Sinatra. Oh, wow. So they all knew who he was. He sold out yeah. everywhere mm-hmm. uh, in these RSL clubs and, and, and indeed their theatre. And uh, so Wayne Cornell, and he comes with his manager. And, you know, we're not used to seeing this with the, with the guest entertainers coming on board at this point. So <clears throat> I'm thinking, right, OK, OK, OK. Right, okay. So I says, um, Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Plymouth Room. And it is indeed cabaret time. Tonight, his name is gone. The name has gone. I said, tonight, we have an artist for you. Quite frankly, I don't know why I'm standing here. This man needs no introduction whatsoever. (laughs) (laughs) I then turn round to the band. I I pretend that they've said something. said, so ladies and gentlemen. hmm? Sorry, what was that? So I turn my back and go, what's his name? What's his name? And the drummer goes, Mike, Mike, Mickey Mouse. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. So I went, yeah, no problem. We're sure we can sort that out. So ladies and gentlemen, back to the... The star in question, would you please welcome to the stage? Still no idea. Still no idea. Would you please welcome? I then went, (coughs) excuse me. (coughs) I run off, go up to him in the wings, 
and say, I'm so sorry, please just give me your name. It's just gone. I'm so sorry. I'm so embarrassed. He went, Wayne Cornell. <laughs> Wayne <laughs> Cornell. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Ah, there we are. Ladies and gentlemen, sorry about that. Swallow the fly. Happened to anybody. Happened to me. There we are. Get over it. <laughs> Please welcome, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Jack Parnell. I saw, I saw Forsyth forget somebody's name on the Palladium once. Oh, <laughs> I forget who be, it was, though. It happens to be every day, yeah. boys. That's, oh, well, well, how did he well, take it? Well, how did he take well, it, Well, there's more to it, you oh. see. So <clears throat> I then have to do the the big apologies afterwards and... Um, and that was that, you know. I mean, I was yeah. only a young kid, and he was indeed a big star. And so years go by, maybe 20 years go by. And I am back in Sydney, and I'm being, I've gone over there, um, not to join a ship this time, but to do a mini tour of um, Welsh expats. Um, it was over St. David's Day. Right. So, <clears throat> so I did... Uh, I did the Gaman Vagani at the chapel and ABC, which is their BBC, covered it, um, which, of course, you know. And then I did two nights at the Robert Robert Blackwood Memorial Hall um, in Melbourne. And then I did something else somewhere else. Right. I go to see a lady that I once knew called Sylvia Ray, and her husband was the fixer for the only big band in Australia. That's how bad it's got there, you know, all that's gone. Like, So yeah. I go to see him, and I remember Sylvia from the, the ships. And I just go, oh, Sylvia, I haven't seen you for 20-odd years. Oh, I know, darling, I know. Go and sit by the pool. And I'm going, yeah, wow, how lovely, and what a nice lifestyle. And blah, blah, blah. She goes, I'll just go and get that. Hello? Oh, no, oh, Wayne, stop it. Stop it, Wayne. No, Wayne Cornell, you will not speak like that to me. <laughs> so I go up to her, she's on the phone, and I'm going, excuse me, she's going, just one minute, darling, one minute. I'm going, oh, let me, let me. I said, Wayne Cornell, I know him. I know him. Please let me speak to him. <clears throat> so she says, I've got somebody going frantic here. He wants to speak to you. And I went, Wayne Cornell? He went, Yes. I said, well, are you Jack Parnell? And he went, oh, my God. Mike, I have dined out on this story for 20 years. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so I, I had only just done the Royal Variety performance, and um, it was being shown just two nights uh, I know, prior to two nights from this phone call. It was on telly in Australia. So, uh, <clears throat> and he said, my goodness me, he said, when you when you sang Ness and Dorma for the Queen uh, on the Royal Variety performance, I was telling my wife and I was telling my kids, that's the guy who called me Jack Parnell, and here you are calling me. But what I loved about that story, guys, was he said that he dined out on that story for twenty years. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, Isn't yeah. that amazing? Right, we, we're yeah. we're really running out, nearly running out of time on this particular Zoom <clears throat> call, boys. We're, we're nearly oh, running out yeah. of time, so we've probably got time for one more story, Mike. But I, I got a feeling, Johnny, that this isn't the end at all. Do you? We got plenty of stories, man. I mean, I yeah, so. funny enough, we've had a parallel life. Yeah. We both worked shifts. We both done the West End. We both done the work no. events clubs, yeah. the night clubs. Yeah. Yeah. Did you do yeah. the RSL clubs in the um and the league yes. clubs in Australia? Yeah, I did. I did Rooty Hill. I think your your photograph's still on the wall in Rooty Hill. <laughs> did you do Parramatta? Parramatta. Yeah, and I, I and I also did the Bourbon and Beef Steak Pub in the Cross. And your photograph. 
he's up there next to Max Boyce. <laughs> so, I said, so, I, so I put I, my photograph, right, above yours and above Max, and I rang Max and told him, Max, right, he yeah. got he got little Stuart uh, Stuart Littlewood to ring the Bourbon of Peace Steak to swap a room. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not a competition, boys. It's not uh, a competition. <laughs> and, and you know what? That, that, that's that's the big joke between me and Max. Um, you know, we, of course, it's all for fun. Yeah. And um, I said, I can't believe we did that. He said, Well, he said you, were, you told me you were there for two weeks in Sydney, so I thought you're bound to go back in and see it. And then, and I thought. And then I did. I said, "Oh, I said someone's changed my photograph round." Said, "Oh yeah, we had a phone call from Mix Boyce's manager." <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Oh, but I have yeah. got a great. I have got a great story that. Um, I mean, look, I've missed the ship. Uh, I, I've, I've missed the ship in Montego Bay. That's, that's a massive story. I'm writing a book at the moment, and these stories are all going in my book. And uh, but I won't tell you the miss the ship story. Um, that that's just uh, uh, another. I'll have to come back on just for that story. Fantastic. But, yeah. I, but we, we, we amongst us entertainers that go on the cruise ships, we came up with a saying called Bono. And Bono means, let's say for argument's sake, Mal, you've just performed. Right. And you've stormed it. Yeah. And Johnny is standing next to you whilst you're in a bar. Yeah. So someone would say, oh, Mal Pope. You were amazing tonight. Oh, what a show. Oh, thank you very much. Oh, thank very you. kind. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Then they might turn to the other entertainer and go, yeah, you too. See, <laughs> so, right? Yeah. So then, so then that means you've been bonoed, right? Because right? <laughs> they've said you too, right? <laughs> so the big joke is, oh, you were great tonight. You were great tonight. They say nothing to the other artist. Then the other artist says, not even a bono! <laughs> I didn't even get a bono! <laughs> so, so, I'm, I'm uh, at Madrid Airport. Yeah. And I'm uh, either coming home or I'm uh, going to. And I'm there at the check-in desks and everything. And it's like a manic... I don't know if you've ever been there. It's a manic airport. It's yeah, just, yeah. it's nuts, you know, the big train that takes you between the two massive terminals and you can walk miles, you know, you lose two stone, just go into the next gate. So I look back and I see a great big group of people walking very, very fast. And there were some security guards walking, two at the back, two at the front, and it's Bono. <laughs> it is it's Bono. So he is going to an area that they had roped off. So not with us minions, of mm. course. So he's going to travel either private jet or is he going to be on first class or something? I don't know those details. So I've gone as Bono. Now, I don't want you to think that I'm an alcoholic or I've got no, a problem, no, no. right? No, no, but no. I, no. But I'd, I'd, had, I'd had a few this day. <laughs> <laughs> so I run over like a child to the check-in area, Bono is standing about 10 to 12 feet away from the check-in area. I say to the check-in girl, I'd just like to say, sorry to interrupt, I'd just like to say, you're doing an absolute fantastic job, I said. I take my hat off to you, wonderful people who work at airports, and I just want to say, so many people are easy, quick to complain. I just say thank you, and what a wonderful job you're doing. I turned around to Bono himself, I went, 
You too. <laughs> hang on. Hang on. Bono. Bono just did this. <laughs> well mike i mean we'll, we'll have to do this again if that's right because i've got a feeling we are only scratching the surface have you got one short story to, to finish us off with well well okay um this what i'm about to tell you um happens uh, once in a lifetime if you're lucky or, or, or it'll never happen to you you know people say are oh, you in the right time at the right place well i've heard so many people have great good luck stories when they say, oh, well, I was in the right time at the right place, you see. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't think that would ever happen to me. There are certain things in life, like a hole-in-one in golf, yeah. that I thought I'd never get, and I have. Got one? Wow. I have. I, don't I did, yes. At Poyd and Mooster Golf Club, which was, it cost me a bottle of whiskey, but I was glad to, to, to buy it. And then I, I was on the Queen Mary, Queen Mary 2, and I was um, sailing from New York to Southampton, and I was aware that Merrill Street Candice Bergen, Gemma Chang. Uh, I was aware that Steven Soderbergh. I was also aware that, and I'm embarrassed, I can't remember his name, but he was responsible for Michael Jackson's Thriller video. Um, He was responsible for The Three Amigos, uh, big-time director. Uh, It'll jump out now any minute. So I'm aware this is happening, and I'm aware that they're filming a movie with Meryl Streep and these a host of famous actors, and um, we had to sign something just in case you were in a shop or something mm-hmm. like that, you know. Mm-hmm. And it was mainly filmed throughout the night when everybody was sleeping, to be honest. So, yeah, so uh, there I do my show, and um, this director who did the Michael Jackson thriller um, saw my show. And then I did a talk, I do a daytime talk, basically telling stories like I am, with you now in front of 1,100 people in, in a beautiful theatre. And uh, he comes to that. Well, I don't know who he is. I don't know why he's come. I don't even know he's there until this happens. Oh, my goodness. You were great. Oh, wow. He said, "Have you? I need to, you, I need to uh, introduce you to Steven Soderbergh. I have no idea who Steven Soderbergh is. Um, and, you know, he, he did... Um, uh, uh, you know, there's a list of films. I'm not prepared. Sex, Sorry, lies, but... and videotape was one of them, wasn't it? Uh-huh. Yeah, and and the, he did the um, Miss Congeniality. He uh-huh. he did that one. Uh, so I go and meet this director in Sir Samuel's coffee bar on the Queen Mary Two. Nice. And it transpires that they needed an actor to play the part of Murray Dix who is a millionaire, and he's made his money out of shoestrings. And uh, and then Candice Bergen, who is, who is a guest of Meryl Streep, has come on as her uh, partner, as a guest, and she's looking for a man. So they showed me the script. They said, you know, are you, are you up to this? I said, are you serious? Have you done anything before? And the only thing I'd done recently, I did the Christmas special of Stella. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I did a little cameo in Stella playing the Sting character. That was the last thing I did, right? So, and I, you know, and I said, well, yes, I can. I learned that script um, in a day. I, 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 all through my sleeping, all the bit, all the rest of it. And then they said, right, we're going to film your bit, Mike, on Wednesday at 
p.m. in the Champagne Bar. You're sat at the bar, and uh, Candice Bergen will join, and she'll be chatting you up, and you'll be telling her all about making your millions and that you've been secretly selling shoestrings around the ship. <laughs> okay, this is a comedy, right? So, okay, no problem. So this is now Monday, so I'm down the officer's wardroom, having a slurp with the cruise director, and the phone rings. Oh, is Mike there? Mike Doyle. Yes, he's sat here. Tell him to get up to the champagne now. They've changed their mind. They, Candice Bergen wants to do it now. So I thought, what? What? I've had three pints. Everything revolves around me having a pint, doesn't it? So I race up there. This girl comes along and she goes, yeah, blue blazer, simple open neck shirt, dark trousers, yeah, pants. Yeah, great, 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 great. Along comes Candice Bergen. And uh, I meet her, <clears throat> and then she says, um, I like to do things in one take if we can. No pressure. And I said, oh, absolutely, not a problem. No problem at all. Of course, I'd had three beers, and I? So I was, hey. <laughs> I did it in one take. And uh, the movie is out. It's called Let Them All Talk. It's in America at the moment on HBO Max. And he's coming over to Netflix this year. Fantastic. And I'm in the film. And I'm in the film with my name at the at, at the end going, Murray Dix, Mike Doyle. <laughs> Isn't that fantastic? Isn't that fantastic? Uh, yes. Well, well, right place, right time. Right place, right time. Well, look, yes. we've got to leave it there. Will, will you come back, Mike? Yeah. Will you come back and do, do, yeah. do some more stories? Will that be all right? I, I'd be delighted. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, Marla. And, and thank you, Johnny, as well. Yeah. Thank you very it's much. Great to see you again, Mike. We, we normally finish thank it you, in Mitch. a special way, Mike, but I feel to, today we should finish it slightly different. So, um, Johnny Tudor, I thought you were fantastic yeah. today. You were brilliant. Um, we were wonderful. <laughs> we're excellent. Uh, Mike, you too. <laughs> hey! <laughs> I just been bottled. Oh, you've been, you've been, been bottled. bottled. <laughs> See you, boys. Oh, I've just been bottled. <laughs> See you soon. Thanks. Shut up, shipmates. <laughs> <laughs>